Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors. Take a walk and make a podcast. This is Yolanda, and as always, we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. And this week, we're tight on time, so we're just going to talk about what Yolanda is what? astonished at and what Yolanda was thinking about and what Yolanda is preaching about, and I'm just going to add a little color commentary. Very well, then. Okay. Yeah. So, so what are you astonished at? So, um, let's... Since it's all about me today, let's 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 re rebrand, reframe this segment of our podcast as um, story time with Yolando. Oh, excellent! I have a story. So um, we were driving back from a wonderful Thanksgiving time with my mom and dad and sisters in Marietta, Georgia, and we were somewhere. My wife and child and I, we were somewhere in North Georgia, decided to get something to eat. It's Saturday, and so we pull off of Highway 85 and found a Chick-fil-A, as one does. So we go through the drive-through, and I'm not one of those people that waits for everyone else to get their food, so when, you know, we get the bags, immediately reach for the fries, and um, you ever, like, I love French fries. You ever get French fries that are just right? They're not too hot, not too cold, just the right amount of salt. And so these were perfect. I mean, they're just perfect. I wanted to go back into the Chick-fil-A to give, you know, the kid who put them in the bag a high five or a hug or something. And I put them in the 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 little cup holder in the driver side door, right? And um, so we get situated, and I pull out of the Chick-fil-A parking lot. And as I'm making a left out of the parking lot, I hear my perfect French fries fall. And in that moment, in that split second, I had a choice to make. Do I concentrate on my falling food? Or do I pay attention to the road? And you did not choose wisely. I chose poorly. <laughs> Next thing I know, my child in the back seat is screaming, Daddy. My wife in the passenger seat next to me is screaming, Watch out. And um, I look up, and the car is on the curb, it's on the sidewalk, not fully. One tire. Um, I get the car off the sidewalk, and as soon as we are back on the road, we hear. <laughs> okay, so flat tire, pull into another parking lot, take all of the suitcases and things out of the trunk, get the spare, put it on, find a Walmart to you know put a new tire on. Uh, it's a Saturday, so it takes a long time. Long story short, our four-hour drive turned into eight hours. And I still don't have a sermon. This is Saturday. i got to preach the next day. I don't have a sermon, but this is what astonished me. We get back on the road, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling foolish mm-hmm. for having wrecked the car, you know, uh, <laughs> run into the curb. I'm feeling anxious because my plan was to get home at a certain time so I could write a sermon, and I'm just just irritated, right? And that's, 
that's not a good fr- um, uh, frame of mind mm-hmm. to write a sermon. But as I'm, I'm just stewing in all the things I'm feeling, the grace of God floods into my mind and heart, and I realize there, there is a sermon <laughs> in this accident that I, I've just had. And so our, our text on Sunday was uh, John 15, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, cut off from me, you can do nothing. And then over and over, about seven or eight times in a few verses, Jesus says, abide, abide, abide mm-hmm. in me. And um, I began reflecting on uh, my little issue with the car and running on the curb. It's like, oh, this season that we're entering into, this holiday season, really is about focus. You know, every year, you know, Christians complain and grumble about um the commercialization, the material, uh, materialistic nature of the holidays. And, you know, I said to you earlier, we say that as if there's nothing we can do about it. But we do have the power to choose what we focus on in this season. Yeah. So will we focus on something trivial like our French fries falling? Or will we stay focused on the road? Will we focus on on Christ? And... One of the things that came to mind as I was driving is that every year someone in our community, and sometimes it's me, says, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. And we say it kind of like the grumpy old man yelling at kids to get off the lawn. It's mm-hmm. like we're, we're yelling at the, at the world. Jesus is the reason for the season. And we, we settle for this slogan when really Jesus is calling us to um, to spiritual disciplines in this season, and and that became the the this whole this whole issue with the car and the wreck and the fries, that became the the foundation of the sermon on Sunday, and it went over like people were so engaged, they loved it. I'm just astonished that yeah. I, I actually had something to say well i mean it, it makes me my preaching professor in seminary was um a man named dr anthony campbell and he just was a brilliant 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 preacher and has since joined the <laughs> triumphant pulpit but um but he talked a lot about uh, he was the son of a preacher and he talked a lot about having a preacher's eye and what he meant by that and he also talked about coming home from seminary and having being very proud to show his dad a book of sermon illustrations and how mad he was his dad took the book and threw it in the fire and was oh, like wow. you cannot like that's that's garbage you cannot get illustrations from a book you have to have the preacher's eye you have to walk around in the world and in your own life and let the spirit show you how the truth is being worked out in your own life. And I think that's really true. And I think it's really um, a challenge because if it's all theoretical and abstract and universal, then it, then it's, it doesn't, it doesn't transcend and transform our lives. And so the idea of saying like, you know, what we believe when we say Christ was born among us, that we have an incarnational God, that we have, a, we, that we are a 
attached to the vine, that we're a branch of the vine is what we're saying is that we've given the actual life that we're living right now to Jesus, who is risen, triumphant, ruling and reigning. And that might not be visible everywhere, but I do get to decide that it will be true for me. Maybe not, definitely not perfectly, but that Christ will rule and reign in the territory of my heart, in the realm of my life. And so I do walk around and say, if this is true everywhere and always, then it is true here and now. And so being able to let the Lord teach you from the circumstances in your life. And that's what we hope for people in the congregation, right? That you you would hear a word in a song or in a prayer or in the preaching moment. And then that you would leave the sanctuary accompanied by Jesus, the word of God, and and you would see it, you know, revealed to be true and fruitful in your life. I think the challenge is, as a preacher, how to make sure that not every sermon becomes like tales from Lake Wobegon about your life, sure, right? Like the sure, little, you know, sure. and so just having that just understanding of when is it too much about me, but also knowing you can't really you can't tell a personal anecdote about somebody else's life. And, um, and I, so yeah, I think, I mean, cause we were talking on the walk, which was a run, a bad run, but a run, a run nonetheless, <laughs> but that we, I think we have both preached about the, the place where we meet to run is like a little shopping center place. Cause we started the Starbucks and ended the Starbucks and, um, there's a corner store that used to be like a, a computer repair store mm-hmm. and then they tore it out and they put in an acai bowl store and we watched it and like it never coming soon. I mean, but we watched the whole cycle of like coming soon and then it was stripped out and then it was empty for a while and then it was built up and then it was grand opening is coming and then it was closed and then it was reopening soon and then it was torn down and then it was empty. And now those fools are putting in a, a, a another a different exact same exact same acai bowl shop and it's so funny like we watched them tear down like the faux reclaimed wood paneling on the wall and tear out the electric fireplace and tear out the counters and now we're watching them put up the same blessed i mean it's not the same it's different but an identical it's an identical store with an ad- almost identical aesthetic and we were talking about today, like there's there's something in this and I don't know what it is, but it's an astonishing thing to sort of marvel at. Like, what's the what's the meaning or what is this an illustration of? And, and um, I don't know. And I feel well, we got warned against this in seminary about doing um, eisegesis, right, that you have an idea and then you go to the text and say, OK, well, what? piece of scripture supports the conclusion that I've already drawn and that is dangerous and yet we should be walking through our lives with the disciples eye and saying Lord help me to see really see what is true and what is how what is what is your power and what are the powers of this world and how do I align with you and like give me wisdom and renew my mind in Christ. And so some of that is going to be seeing something in the world and then like turning to our stored up knowledge of 
the word of God and saying, how does this align or challenge or whatever? Yeah, at a, um, uh, well, years ago, I, I had a ministry coach, Tom Bandy, and he used to say, Yolando, part of your problem is that you were trained to be an expert dispensing religious information to people. Right. And that's really not what people want. People are looking not for experts, but for spiritual companions, spiritual mentors, people who will walk with them and be transparent. Um, you show the good, the bad, and ugly of your life as you walk out your faith and walk with them, and they they learn the faith from you that way. And so in, in that sense, you know, what I did on Sunday by telling that story about the car and the falling fries, I mean, I noticed immediately people connected. And when I went to the text, there seemed to be much more engagement because normally that that's not my style. Normally, I am a, okay, just the facts, here's the text, here's what it means, here's what it says, here's what you need to know and do because this text says what it says. Um, <laughs> and I've been one of those people to go to those illustration books. But I notice, and especially as someone who is an introvert who isn't um, as transparent <laughs> as, uh, as some of my introverted or extroverted friends, uh, I don't share a lot um, but when I do, it gets attention. Well, and I think, I mean, Bandy is correct when he says people are looking for a spiritual companion and people, but I mean, but more importantly, because people are looking for a lot of things and that doesn't mean that they ought to find them in the church. But I think True. more importantly is when Jesus came, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, I mean, he did not come as a scribe. He did not come to explain or give people theoretical knowledge though he certainly did impart wisdom and there was a teaching element to his ministry but what he did was incarnational was to come and live among people and invite them and he said follow me into a new way of living right into a new way of being human that was embodied literally and it wasn't about saying like okay here, think correctly about this ontological truth of who God is as opposed to what these other groups misunderstand or misconstrue. It was, this is the way a human fully alive and aligned with God moves through the world. Let's walk together and do that. And I think that's hard. We sing a song at the Grove. It's funny because I wanted to talk about this in the book and you cannot quote even a line of a song in a book without it's like a huge rigmarole so I have to say things like we sing a song about blah 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 but you can't give the title and you can't give a verse but we sing a song at the grove called from the head to the heart and it's a such a great song and the lyrics are from the head to the heart you take me on a journey of letting go and getting lost in you and and it goes on and the chorus is more than words more than good ideas I found your love in the open field and I I mean I identify with it so deeply I, I think it depends on sort of which you know what 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 kind of life you're coming from when you're coming to Jesus like I spent a long time and what well, we both have spent a long time in a in a branch of the body of Christ that 
talks about faith seeking understanding. And certainly it is good to love God with your mind. And, and certainly it is good to seek understanding. But the challenge is when understanding becomes the end in itself and not the means to the end of union with God. And I think for a lot of people coming out of the mainline tradition, we sort of get stuck in our heads, which ultimately, if you are a privileged person with most of your, like, whatever hierarchical needs being met, to get stuck in your head when it comes to faith is a pretty comfortable thing to do because you don't, you know, you, you can avoid a lot of the real challenges and trials and sacrifice and struggle of faith. You can just sit in your chair and be right about Jesus and you can come to worship weekly or monthly or biannually and confirm that you're still right about Jesus and then go, <laughs> go back and live your life. And I do think you know, part of the challenge and the gift of being in a spiritual community is that every time we circle back around to this point of, okay, we are entering into Advent and how do we say to people, let's, let's walk into the season with joyful expectation, knowing what it means for us without being the get off my lawn kind of guy without, you know, really, but being able to recognize, Hey, the the culture is celebrating around us and even using some of our same words and even you know images of people's conception of what Jesus looks like and and we need to be able to understand non-combatively non-antagonistically hey this is maybe not um true <laughs> And how do we walk in our truth in a joyful, invitational way and not in a combative? Because <clears throat> there's just a lot of, oh, go ahead. So, well, that brings to mind another story. Um, and this just came to me, or I just remembered it. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I was at my favorite Chipotle location <laughs> here in Charlotte, and um, it's across the street from uh, the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. So there are lots of students. And um, so I went in one evening because uh, I had a late uh, day at church. And um, I'm standing in line. And I look over to my left. And I see this kid. He looked like he ought to be a student. But I see this kid and... His tattoos on his face. Like, I've seen people with facial tattoos on television, but not really in person. And I mean, like, his face was tatted up. I mean, it was like top of the forehead around the right, top of the forehead around to the left, and then some things under his eyes going down his cheeks. And um, so I was so surprised by that that I. I started staring, you know, mm -hmm. and so um, he probably felt me staring. And so at some point, at one point, he looked up and um, we we locked eyes and I immediately looked away and, you know, pretended like I was looking at the menu or something. And um, and I looked at him again and I just started judging him like 
was thinking like, what would make someone do this? What's wrong with you? You've got to live with this the rest of your life. Doesn't look that great. Uh, surely, you know, you, you were not thinking straight or like, why, why, why? This is wrong, 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 wrong. Why would you do that to your face? Where are you going to get a job? Like, right? So I'm thinking all of these things and um, I look away for a moment and then I look back and this kid has his food. He sat down at a table and immediately he starts to pray. And like, I can tell just by looking at it, like he is, he's really praying. Like he is, it, the look on his face was one of concentration. Um, and it, he just seemed deep in prayer, not like a, you know, five second word of, grace blessing over food but he seemed really deep in his prayer really focused that's the better word and immediately just a flood of conviction now and i i sensed i sensed in that moment the holy spirit saying to me um you know bringing the words of scripture uh, humans look on the outward appearance, mm -hmm. um, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I just got this sense of, oh, God has people, really different people, people who are not nearly as conventional as I am. And um, I don't know why that story come. You, you said something that brought that story to mind. Well, I think oh, I know why. Uh, because if I had it to do over again, because cause I, I was, even though no one else in the room knew what I was thinking and going through at the time, I was really embarrassed because yeah. I was really judging this kid. But if I had it to do over again, I would have just arrested that sense of guilt for a moment long enough to go over to him and ask about his life and his prayer. I, after I left the restaurant and got home, I was like, I I want to know this. I want to know some things about this kid. I want to know. I just, I want to know his story. Well, I mean, I think we were talking earlier just about lots of things, but we so often associate the kingdom of God, the realm of God with whatever Christian culture we happen to have been a part of. Mm -hmm when we met the Lord. And I think to be able to sit really, and, and maybe this is a thing to sit with during these Advent days, which ultimately the incarnation of Jesus is a, it's just a big interruption of um, human culture and a reclaiming by God. And to, to be able to sit really um, soberly with the idea that we all I mean, we are all are people uh, with culture and that none of our culture is wholly bad. I mean, there's elements of God and God's goodness and God's truth in any human culture, I think. And then also, um, you know, elements of just separation and disease and 
resistance to the realm of God. And, and I think, um, to be able to understand like, well, what about, well, that, cause we were having the conversation about a, a friend and who's a Middle Eastern, um, Christian and their, um, just deep pain and holy rage at the way that their native people are being slaughtered and demonized by the whole world. And, um, you know, just wrestling with what does it mean to be a Christian in that context? And um, the person had expressed publicly just was really deeply wrestling with forgiveness. Like, could forgiveness be a part of of their life anymore, of their proclamation of the gospel, like all the ways that I would say a antichrist colonized version of forgiveness has been used to um, silence um, just the slaughter of the innocents. And, you know, as if to read Matthew two, when Herod slaughters the, infants looking for Jesus and then go, well, but Jesus died on a cross, so you're good. I mean, you know, so, so how do we, and, 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 um, we, you and I were talking about what, while holding, I, I mean, I hate to use this language cause it's overused, but like, obviously I just see this person's pain and rage and experience of abandonment by the church and have no understand that keeping silence I it's certainly not my place to judge her her expression of her lived experience or her understanding of I mean she's wrestling with the Lord and I it's it's holy ground but just sitting with that statement of and I, I mean, I might even have misunderstood her statement or, or, you know, but just like there are things, there are things about our following of Jesus that are just expressions of culture and they will all be stripped away. And when we strip away culture, what is left? And I do think the stumbling block of enemy love and forgiveness as a path to transformation and redemption and reconciliation um, that is is core is core revelation of Jesus and is is kingdom culture that will transcend place and time and I think it's so easy I guess this is the big loop around it's so easy in a season like this and in general, but in a season like Advent, when we were thinking like, okay, well, we're going to focus on the coming of Christ and the birth of Christ. And there's all sorts of things, just physical things and events that are part of walking through these days. And the thing is, they're not bad. Like it's not bad to want to, um, sing joyful songs. It's not bad to want to cherish the people you love. It's not bad to want to light a candle in the darkness and, and have a festival time with people. It's, it's not, none of that is bad. It's it's not bad, but it's not the transformative good. And 
how do we focus and center what the real revelation of incarnation is using real words and not, you know, dime store (laughs) rhyming theological terms and help people say like, this is at the center. And then everything else can, can find its place around that bright core living center. Um, but without taking the, there's just so much noise. Um, and to think, I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago about this idea that in not idea, this reality, cause I keep reading more stories about it, that more and more Christian faith communities in the middle East are saying like, Hey, we can't celebrate Christmas this year. Like we can come and worship and we will worship and we will pray, but we will not celebrate Christmas. And that's just such an interesting statement because I know a hundred percent what they mean. Um, but then to think about like, okay, how is it that worship and prayer have somehow become not the celebration and, and to really think like for my own family, for our church, for myself, like would, would these days be enough for me to rejoice in if we stripped away the presence and the decoration and the gathering with families and the lights and all the things that again are not bad. They're not bad, but they are not transformative. They are not eternal. And so again, it's not a war on Christmas. It's just a matter of saying like, Hey, for, for us, these are sacred days and it's really hard to find the holy among the other good um superficial and and like the the seduction of busyness and yeah yeah i didn't grow up in a christian tradition that observed lent and as you know, a young adult or someone in my late teens, when, you know, I came into the Presbyterian church, I thought it was amazing because I experienced Advent as a holy pause. Um, Because one of the things, you know, that you get almost every year, well, I think every year uh, in the Advent readings, you know, at some point you encounter John the Baptist going out into the wilderness, Mm -hmm. right? And people leaving leaving the towns and cities to go out to John, out in the wilderness, away from the activity, away from the city lights. They're going out to this rough prophet uh, who is calling people to repentance, of all things. Um, And the primary spiritual activity, this primary spiritual discipline that I was given as um, a young adult uh, for the Advent season was that of fasting, and um, I have found it, you know, as a, as a pastor, a real hard sell. Like every year I, um, I bring it to the church. And, um, you know, there are these two great seasons of fasting in the Christian year. One is Lent. The other is Advent. Lent, we kind of get. Advent, not so much. And I think it's because of all of the Christmas stuff. But if we if we take that seriously, I think it would have a profound impact because the, the way I understand 
that discipline is um, is that it's it's like it's like firewood when you cut down a tree and you are wanting to have a fire in your fireplace you don't use fresh wood because there's too much sap right and when you try to light that wood there's more smoke than fire and what you have to do is you, you've got to let it dry out and if it dries then it's it's great for burning and the the, the truth is that there's so much of the sap of the world and the sap of self in us that fasting quote dries that up in, in some so that we we might burn for the Lord and yeah. um, I I love the idea of fasting during Advent but it it is not popular at all I mean and I think it's just really it, it, it's tricky because on the I mean I you know I again like you there was a time in my life when you're really new to these the church year and to these traditions and they, and they are rich and they are meaning filled. And it's, it is so like you leave seminary and you're like, Oh gosh, I got to go to church and help these dummies know that you don't sing carols until Christmas Eve. Right. And like, we're going to celebrate Advent and everybody else. But as for me and my house, we are, you know, wearing purple and, you know, and, and then to sort of understand like, Oh, you're, that's an identity marker. That's a culture fight that that's got, not that that's about saying who's in and who's out and who really belongs and who doesn't and who who is following Jesus. I mean, it's just all it's all a very good distraction of the enemy of our souls. And so, you know, having a, a, a later revelation gift of sort of going, oh, wow, right now, the everyone around us is talking about Jesus or is celebrating this holiday which is derived from this holy day and and some people you know their hearts are going to be stirred or people are seeking holiness and if we we being the church we being christians if we are just as stressed out just as busy agreed 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 i'm just saying like i we have to find a way to be able to I think meet people. I mean, like we're people. <laughs> so, uh, and to say, look, we, we are American. Well, most of the people listening to this podcast are Americans. So you, you live in the, uh, you know, some, a brief, some variation of this broad American dominant culture. And so we all know that we're trying to walk this out or someone is in the dominant culture and wondering, is there actually a holy you know, underbelly or underneath, and I'm seeking that. And so you want, when people, do you want to take seriously and be hospitable that that you want to connect with people where they are and to be a place where people can discover the holy. But to your point, what you we are saying, we actually have, we have a way, we have a truth, and we have a life that comes from Jesus that we can offer and that we can invite you into. And it is not opposed to the culture or others. It's not antagonistic. This is not a war, but, but it is, um, it, it is something that is an, is an alternative, a way of 
being among and being with and being for, but being distinct and being peculiar. And so finding that balance of what does it mean? And I think, you know, I'm just coming now into 25 years of practicing ministry and I, I am just beginning to kind of really intrinsically understand, oh, this remembering the incarnation of Christ and all the rich revelation and light that comes from that and braiding that together with John the Baptist and with this call to repentance and with this time of preparation and anticipation for the second coming of Christ, that these things, which, you know, coming out of seminary in in my early 20s and just having very dualistic brain, and it was like, well, it's one or the other. (laughs) And now you're getting deep enough to recognize like, oh, this is one, or, you know, God has finally worn away my thick skull to say like, no, this really is one story. And, and there's ways that we un- make sense of our lives here and now by understanding what God has done in the past and what God is doing in the future and where God is right now. Because it, it makes sense to sort of name, hey, we are not a people who are waiting for a Lord who is removed or absent. So as much as we sing and like we're singing songs about the king is coming and we are anticipating the full rule and reign of Christ the King, I am, but also knowing that Christ, through by grace, with copious amounts of forgiveness and mercy, is King of my life, which is the only thing I have to give here and now. And so all, all of that way, like Christ in the past incarnation as Jesus of Nazareth, Christ in the future as in the culmination and joyful triumph and restoration of creation and Christ here and now in the midst of us reigning um, in our lives and us fumbling around trying to figure out what it means to be part of one community in all of that variation and multifacetedness of what each one of us knows given where we've come from and what what learning and unlearning we have to do and returning to this point every year and saying like, okay, I don't know what this means. I'll never know what this means. That doesn't mean I know nothing, but there's more for me here. I can sink deeper into these truths. Um, I mean, it is really rich. This is me not talking. Well, (laughs) well, and one of the, again, like you, it's taken me years of being in ministry to see this, but another theme that comes up every year during Advent is the second coming. And so this Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, uh, the reading from Mark chapter 13 is about uh, the second coming of Jesus. And I think what, what that's meant to do for us, it's, it's meant to help us, um, it's meant to prevent us from simply looking back at uh, the birth of Jesus as um, a, a sentimental story, like, oh, he came, mm-hmm. and he came as a baby, and it was nice, and the shepherds, and all of that, and and then um, close the book and open presents, and then, you know, back to life as, as normal. I, I think 
you know, that first Sunday reading about the second coming of Christ is meant to remind us, yes, he came and he is coming. So this is not a story that we relegate to the past. It, it is something that we are in now, but we are anticipating something. And that's really easy to forget. Well, and I think to be able to say, hey, taking seriously that we know we know who King Jesus is because we have both the lived tradition relationship with the Holy Spirit and the scriptures. So we know what the values of Jesus are. We know what power looked like in Jesus's hands. And so that means we can tell the difference between um, the ways power is used in the quote secular culture and in the quote sacred culture. And we can have eyes to be able to tell the difference between those who claim the name of Christ and those who actually are walking in the way of Christ. And that's not about being ugly. It's not about sitting in a seat of judgment against other people, but it is about saying like, no, I know I, Jesus has shown me what the way of truth is. And although every power and principality and cultural authority around me will say that's stupid and dumb and wasteful and foolish and pathetic, I will say, I believe a new world is coming and is here. And so I'm going to live in this way here and now. And if it doesn't make sense, that's okay. Because I, you know, I have an audience of one. And so this Advent, you and I are preaching uh, thematically the same series, uh, series title. We're using um, uh, the beginning is near, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's not original. Um, I, I, I first saw that um, on the, I think it's called the Ring Them Bells podcast um, that features uh, Tim, Tim Mackey from the Bible Project. They often have N.T. Wright, uh, whom I love, <laughs> on that <laughs> podcast. And um, uh, one, You don't an, say. I, you know, I've never mentioned him before. Uh, and another Bible scholar, I cannot remember his name at the moment. But um, yeah, that's, that's where that, um, that, that title comes from. Um, but one of the things I am definitely responding to this Advent season is all of, and you know, I said this to you on, on the run is all of the, you know, the, the YouTube thumbnails with, you know, somebody calling themselves a prophet, holding a Bible and a mushroom cloud, uh, behind them. Um, and you know, some tanks and warplanes and, you know, the, 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 the headline or the title of the uh, video is the end is near world war three has begun. And, uh, no, the, the the word of scripture is that the beginning is near. The right. begin- and so let's prepare for this beginning called the second coming, called and the return of Jesus. to understand that those folks are looking at, you know, <laughs> they're looking at leaders of nations and global organizations and, you know, trends in history and saying I can predict I can predict the future because of that and I know what God's going to look like because it'll be in line with 
expectations of how this works and to be able to say, we sort of wait for like, well, until it's cosmic, it hasn't begun because we don't understand our own story, which is Jesus did not come cosmically in the incarnation. He came particular, particularly as in one place, in one time, in one body. And that was the beginning for Jesus, for the Christ in Jesus of Nazareth. And that can be the beginning for us, that the, the beginning is near for me when I say, here I am, Lord, like indwell in me. And then when we, as a small community of believers, whether it's gathering in a living room or in a church that appears as if it's dying or a church that seems like it has no relevance at all or some kind of faith community and saying like, look, we, we have no expectation of things working out as the world, you know, would label it. But what we do know is that we can sit together, pray together, seek real nourishing relationships with one another through Christ and then say, what, what do we have in our common life? And how can we devote those things to Christ, understanding that that means praying together, studying scripture together, singing our faith together, and then understanding there's a set of values that we can use in making decisions that will not make sense, not just to the secular world, but to the Christian world. Um, but to say, look, this this may not work, this might be dangerous, this might be risky, but but our understanding is that Jesus is alive, that this is what Jesus does, and so we're going to show up and and try to hang around and be part of what Jesus is doing, and we're, because our, our thing is awake, that's our awake, the beginning is near, and this idea of like what is happening with John the Baptist, with Mark's apocalypse with Jesus of Nathers is saying like, just like, I'm here, like it's time. The time is now like wake up, understand what's happening and, and follow it. Um, not lead it, not save it, not create it, just follow and get on board. And, and that requires a great amount of vulnerability and it requires walking by faith, not by certainty. And, and whatever, I know we need to go, but I, I think it's just so important. And one of the things that I hope that people at the Grove will just understand one of those things that you think I want people to really get this and go like, this is strange. This is the exact opposite of what all the experts say it is that a prophet biblically, a biblical prophet very rarely, not never, but very rarely says, hear ye, hear ye, this is what's happening in the future. Like that's not what a prophet does. A prophet comes and says, you all, usually you people of faith, have completely misunderstood what faithfulness looks like. And the things that you are doing in the name of God are offensive in God's sight. Your prayers, your incense stink up God's nostrils. I need you to live differently here and now because the path you are pursuing is leading is destruction and death and is leading to destruction and death and that's very differently than somebody standing up and saying I can tell you that there's going to be a nuclear war and now buy this prepper kit so that you can protect yourself like it's not about having secret knowledge it's about well it's not about having secret knowledge about 
the future. It's about having realized, lived out faithfulness in your choices and behavior here and now in the present, often in a way that puts you in conflict and misalignment with those who claim the name and authority of God. That's what a prophet does. And and for someone to stand up in the name of Jesus and say, like, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and it's all going to blow up and there's no hope for anyone and everybody deserves to suffer, this is not, this is not, this is what every human authority expects or even gleefully anticipates. Um, to, to be a prophet of the future is to be a prophet of hope through the way of Jesus. That's me holding up my hand saying, I'm, I'm done. You're done. We should have been done six minutes ago. Yes. I need to get my child. <laughs> um, well, thank you all for listening to us this week. And if you want to find out more about what God in Christ is doing right now at Jesus's Church, Derrida Presbyterian, you can, you can go uh, begin by going to their website, which is www.deridachurch.com. You were yes. he was on his phone, yes. so he wasn't listening yes. to me. Um, you can join them for worship at eleven o'clock on Sundays. Uh, you can check out the Derida Church podcast and YouTube channel for past messages um, for from Pastor Hinton. Well worth your time. Um, the Derida Church podcast is on the Podbean website, and if you would like to find out more about what God is doing at God's Church, the Grove. Mm-hmm. You can go to the website, which is thegrovecharlotte.org. You can worship with us at 10 o'clock on Sundays or on the live stream on Facebook. Please, when it works, Lord, it is just a mess. I get Um, that. I get that. It's really frustrating. Um, And you can check out our podcast and our YouTube channel. Um, The podcast is the Grove Church Podcast, and you need to look for the – green tree with the roots same on the youtube channel um, and we also have a video of the service so even if it doesn't work on the live stream on facebook if you go back later um our friend carl prepares a video and it's really beautiful and a labor of love and i'm really grateful so um thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week